<sighs> we'd like to say first of all tonight that we're indeed thankful to the good Lord for this privilege that we have to be back here at Lafayette and discuss these issues that are before us as God's people. Uh, Brother Randy, as I said last time, wanted me to title it. I, I, I titled it with co- correcting the errors or irregularities out, out of the spur of the moment thing there. But if you notice our lesson last month, that uh, what the irregularities would be would be the, those that are opposed in fellowship. Yeah. Because the things that we brought out are the very same thing that they say we can't do, <laughs> and yet they're guilty of doing them. Amen. So the way you correct the irregularities and realize you're wrong, repent of it, and get back to fellowshipping. That's right. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think God is pleased with the way we as old time Baptists are carrying on in this area. He wants his people to be in unity. Amen. In one mind and one accord. That's the reason Jesus is the head of his church. That's the reason we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us. And that's why God had the Bible recorded so that we could all walk by the same rules and mind the same thing. And when people digress from what the Bible says and come up with their own theories and then say that they believe in following the Lord, it don't work because... The Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God will not be in contradiction to each other. So when somebody says the Lord's leading me to do something, the Word of God says, no, that's not true, you can pretty well say that that person is following their own emotions and feelings instead of following the Lord. But now, last, last I started to say last week, two weeks ago, when I was here, I made some statements that uh, I evidently wasn't uh, as clear on them as I should have been because some of you asked me questions afterward, and I surely appreciate that. I want you to know that. My desire is to impart the knowledge that God has given me the privilege to learn over the years to my brethren and sisters that we might can all come to an understanding uh, and, and, and get back together and, and to serve the Lord. Now, I did make the statement that when a person is excluded, that they're no more a part of that church whatsoever. And the reason I said that is, is because that is Baptist doctrine. There's no such thing as our excluded members. Right. Once they're excluded, according to the scriptures, they're, they're to be as a heathen or a publican. And, and if, 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 you, if you want to put the heathen people, the lost, and the publicans, the self-righteous in your church as your excluded members, then you can go ahead and claim members that's excluded as your members. Yeah. But they're not your members by all realms of reality. Once, once they have done something, right or wrong. Now, I'm not saying every time somebody's been excluded from Baptist church, they were done right. They haven't been. But nevertheless, just like you look at the third John, if you don't want a case, uh, Diotrephes and Gaius. Diotrephes had the preeminence. He excluded, a, 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 seemed like a, a pretty good number of the church there because they wanted to fellowship the brethren. Yeah. And he put them out of the church over it. And John said, I'll set that straight when I get there. So, so it's not a new thing for people to be wrongfully excluded. But to show you why that I take that position, in this book here, Old Landmarkism, What Is It? By J, written by J.R. Graves. On page 38, he says, When a church has excluded a member, she has no further jurisdiction over him than over a publican or one who has never belonged to her body. She has no right to say what church shall not any more than what one shall receive him. Each church on earth has an unquestioned right to receive whom she pleases to her fellowship. If she can fellowship a certain person, it is not her business or duty to inquire if a church possibly exists on earth that cannot, and for that reason, reject him. Now that's been Baptist doctrine. And if you don't know who J.R. Graves is, then you need to spend just a little time studying our history as Baptist. Amen. Now, I hope that clears that up in your mind, that that's not just something I came up with on my own. But, but that is what our, our Baptist people teach. Now, another thing that I, I pointed out that some was still uh, not sure about uh, was the fact that uh, on a scriptural administrator, I took the position because it is a Baptist position that a scriptural administrator is one who's given evidence of being saved, one who's given evidence of a calling to preach, and one who's had hands laid on him by a presbytery. And then I went on to say that if it proves out later uh, that the person had never been saved, 
or had never been called to preach. The work that he did as pastor of that church stands valid because of the office and not necessarily the individual. Because God put the office in the church. Had our Baptist knew Baptist doctrine a few years ago, we wouldn't be in the mess on alien immersion that we've had for the last 50 years. And I'm honest about that now. Now, the reason I take that position in this book here, A History of the Sandy Creek Baptist Association, page 122, a question. If a man representing himself to be legally ordained minister of the gospel receives persons into the church and baptizes them, but is afterward found not to be in possessions of proper credentials, are such persons so baptized to be considered regular members of the church and entitled to privileges thereof? Answered in the negative. Now, if we stop right there, then, then the baptism he administered would be invalid. If we stop right there. But see, that's not the complete answer that, that the association gave the people. But there'll be a lot of people that'll stop right there. Just like a lot of people stop, stops on the Webster's de- definition of repentance, a change of mind. Of course, there's a comma there. And, and, and it goes on to say, as a result of a conversion from sin. That's what changed their mind with the conversion. All right, here's the remainder of that. If a minister acts without church authority, his ministerial acts are invalid. If he be clothed with a valid church authority, his acts are valid. Though he may be a bad man, that is, the validity of his official act depends upon his being a member of the church and clothed with ministerial authority. If he has no church membership and is without ordination, his acts are invalid. So that proves there that it's, it's God put the office in the church, not necessarily uh, the administrator. Now, also in this little history book here, the concise history of the Kahuki Baptist Association. On page 71, I'll, I'll read to you what it says there. It says, is the baptism of a believer a legal baptism if performed by an unauthorized administrator? Answer, it is our opinion that the person who administered the ordinance was very much out of his duty. And displeasure ought to be shown to such a practice. But as far as the person's baptism, it was done in faith, we esteem it legal. Yeah. Just plain and simple. And, and we better take that position in this area. You know why? This same book gives you a man by the name of Henry Abbott. He pastored the church at Camden there. And uh, he, he had... Uh, he pastored so long that there was nine ministers raised up under his ministry and six churches went out from it. And one of the ministers was uh, Joshua White. And then he later admitted that he, he, he wasn't saved when he was baptized. And so he finally submitted to baptism. The problem of this, he'd already baptized these nine ministers and all these churches constituted. And Joshua White had done come to, to the Nashville area and started a new Bethel. And Joshua White also seated in the presbytery that, or that constituted Dixon's Creek Baptist Church in our area. So if we don't take the position about the administrator, as I've, I've shown you the other night, then, then we can find ourselves in a, in a world, world, world of trouble. Amen. Now, there was a, another confusion, if I can find it, uh, over the fact that some of them asked me, said, well, do you think Defeated Creek was, was rightfully excluded? Now, that, that's a good question. In other words, I didn't clear that up on about, about the way the defeated was, creek was excluded. Now, let me reiterate this. Miles West was the pastor of Salt Lake. Miles West, in 1837, preached the introductory sermon at the Salem Association. Miles West was seated in the, in the, in the association there in 1837 as a messenger from Salt Lake. These members were excluded prior to this time. So the Salem Association recognized Salt Lake as still being sound in the faith. They still recognized uh, Miles West as being a sound preacher when this took place. Now, I'm going to read this in its entirety for you, for your benefit, because you may not have this record, and you may have a hard time getting it. But I'm taking this, this, this record here from a book that's called What is in a Name by Hulk Holland West, and it's found on page 35. It said, the Salt Lake Church had been organized the 25th day of October, 1806. 
This church was located on Salt Lake Creek in Jackson County near a spring about a half a mile from the Smith County line. Elder Miles West was unanimously called to the church to serve the church as pastor in August 1812. He moved with the church by letter from Dixon's Creek in November 1812. He continued in the service of the church as its pastor until his death in, on the 18th day of August 1845. He was present and assisted in the formation of the Salem Association in 1822. He attained a high station of influence among the Baptists of Middle Tennessee. When the trouble over the mission question arose in 1836, Salt Lake Church was early involved. In December 1835, Brother Robert Green introduced the subject of the difficulty prevailing among the United Baptists called the Benevolent Institution, the United Baptist uh, Tennessee State Convention. After some remarks on this, this subject, it was deferred for further action. It was taken up in January and April of 1836, but deferred each time. In May of 1836, the matter was again taken up, and after laboring on the subject for some time, the church declared non-fellowship with the convention. In 18, April 1837, Brother Joe Worley presented a petition letter, petitionary letter for the constitution of a church. This matter was deferred until October meeting. But in June, Brother Worley came forward and asked for letters of dismission of himself and 35 others. The petitionary letter reads, Saturday, Saturday preceding the, the first Lord's Day in May 1837 to the Baptist Church on Salt Lake Creek. The memorial and petition of the undersigned members of said church respectfully represent that we are dissatisfied with the decision of said church. At the call meeting on Wednesday, April the 12th, 1837, respecting a resolution which passed in May last declaring non-fellowship with the Tennessee Baptist State Convention. By the legitimate force of this resolution, we consider our Christian relationship, if not entirely dissolved, much interrupted with those of our brethren engaged in this enterprise to give increased existence to the preaching of the gospel of Christ, meaning that the said convention and others friendly to the spirit by which they appear to be actuated, that the army is to wit that the resolution respecting the institution only and not the person to which it Composed, we consider of no force, but that it embraces all concerned in the convention. The privilege proposed to us to keep our former relations with our convention, brethren, we view as nugatory, which the resolution referred to is hanging over us with all its prohibitations. Prohibit, prohibitation, prohibit, everyone. And it was agreed at the call meeting aforesaid that all those who was not satisfied with the present state of things are at liberty to retire from the church, and that they should have certificate, should have certificates, and, and etc. We therefore avail ourselves of this kind offer, and in the spirit of Christian regard and kindness, we ask to be dismissed from said church in due form, and that any others who wish to go with us may have the privilege of doing so, and that we may, that we may be, if thought may, constituted into a separate church. In granting this request, you will do us a great kindness and which will, as we believe, conduce to the mutual employment of both you and us. And we wish to be understood that we do not mean on our part that this step is to interrupt or in any way lessen the Christian fellowship which now exists between us. But should the church not think proper to dismiss us in due form to constitute, earnestly pray for letters of dismission to join other churches where we can enjoy our Christian privileges. Signed, Joe Worley and 35 others. The following are those persons signing the petition. Uh, Joel L. Worley, Judith Worley, Thomas Harris, John Parker, Temperance Parker, George Hughes, Nancy A. Harris, Nancy Kirby, Shepard Kirby, Jacob Kirby, Elizabeth Kirby, Polly Parker, Sally Parker, Gabriel Hines, Drusilla Hughes, William Harris, Lucy Harris, James Cook, Rhody Cook, Josephine Russell, Vinia Cook, uh, Liza Jane Cook, Jemima Williams, Avery Hester, Liza Hester, Oliver Cartwright, Polly Cartwright, Thaxton Cartwright, Matilda Cartwright, Sally Cartwright, Elizabeth Glover, Polly Brown, Martha A. Hines, Eliza Cook, Priscilla Sneed, Mary Haynes. 
The, forego the foregoing brethren and sisters applied for letters to their messengers, warning others in full fellowship. While laboring with them for satisfaction, Brother Shepherd Kirby, one of the 35, rose up and said fellowship was broken and that he did not consider himself any longer of the, a member of the church. Whilst others said, I am going, I am going, I am going. One said, are you going, Brother Harris? Yes, as soon as I can brush the dust off my feet as a testimony against them. They were all excluded in that state of things. Taken from the Salt Lick Minutes. And Salt Lick Minutes are still preserved right today. If anybody wants to get with the, the Church of Friendship Potter and ask them, they'll verify. Also, this same record, you'll find it in a book written by Jeff Patterson, the split of 1837. Yes. The, the same records in it. Yes. So the question was, did Salt Lick have the authority to exclude these members? The answer is yes, they did. Were these members storming out of their conference, shaking the dust off their feet like there was a bunch of ungodly people there? Uh, was they rightfully excluded? Yes. By all reasonable uh, common sense, they were rightfully excluded for that. Amen. Now, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Now, as we pointed out last uh, last week in the or the week before last, I'll, I'll, get, I'll probably do this again the next time too, because I tell you what, it doesn't seem like it's been two weeks to me. But as we pointed out the last time on what a church is, if you remember, it's an assembly of born again believers that have been scripturally baptized, that have entered a covenant, given themselves to the Lord and to each other to advance the kingdom of God. Nowhere in the scriptures or in Baptist doctrines does it require a Baptist church to have an arm from another church. You won't find that argument till, till about the, I'd say somewhere in the 60s around here in some of the writings. I think Brother Austin takes that position in a little pamphlet that he wrote in one place. And, and Brother Van Der Poel and Brother uh, Russell, uh, they, they, oh, they were just big on being able to trace yourself back to the Lord step by step, church by church. Well, let me tell you something. That's an impossibility. Amen. And it was even impossible in the early church in the 4th century for them to trace themselves church by church back to Christ. Well, the way we trace our churches back to Christ is through our doctrine. Amen. And, 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 that's, and I'm going to be about that. But anyway, uh, we realized that uh, these brethren and sisters at, at Defeated Creek were excluded. Now listen, let's suppose anytime you have a mass exclusion in any church, both sides have probably got some wrong in it. And both sides have got some good points in it. But anytime you see people that a mass exclusion for contempt, schism, uh, sedition, you know what sedition means? It means the minority didn't like what the majority did. And so the majority excluded the minority for sedition because they're trying to overrule what we wanted to do. That's a simple way. But you'll see that several times in history among churches that happening. Well, now, the Baptist brethren in this day and time, let me point this out. This was the very first generation of Baptists that came from, from North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, and Georgia to our area that made this decision. It wasn't like they weren't like, grounded in the truth. They were very much grounded in Baptist doctrine and Baptist truths. And they realized and they knew that in this division that there was no way to ever resolve it. Because one side wants to support the convention, the other side does not want to support the convention. You might ask yourself, why didn't all of them want to support the convention? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't have wanted to. Y'all might have wanted to. And how long had the convention been in existence? Have you ever thought to look that up? It started in 1834 by uh, HBC Howe and others as a private entity with their own monies. And they said they had a right to do with their own monies as they wished to do. It came up in, I think, the Concord Association. And the Concord Association ruled that as long as the churches weren't involved as a body, that they had no, no reason to comment and, and each church would be responsible for their own members. And I amen that. No church has a right to interfere with another church's private business and association. It's just impossible to do that. But it was in 1834, and by 1836, the Concord Association had split over this matter, and the majority of the churches had declared non-fellowship with this Tennessee Baptist Convention. Now, there wasn't as many churches in the Salem Association that was involved in, in the split, but there were churches there that did not believe 
and fellowship in this Tennessee Baptist Convention. Why? Well, first of all, it had no church authority. It was, in, it was invented by man, and man run it. Without any jurisdiction whatsoever of the Lord's church governing at that time. And, and, and yet some of our brethren was, to me, foolish enough to jump in their headlong and say, yes, sir, let's get behind this movement and go. Now, I'm going to tell you how I believe missions should be done scripturally. If Lafayette has a brother that's called to preach, and, and God sends him on a mission somewhere, it is Lafayette's responsibility to say to that brother has the needs whereby he can go carry out the work of God. Amen. Now, at up old Macedonia where I belong, feel like we need to help him, I believe we are to send our monies and our support directly to the missionary and not to some board or some other individual. It's supposed to go directly to the missionary if we go by what the Scriptures teach. Mm-hmm. Now keep that in mind. Now, that's what I believe about that because that's what I believe the Scriptures teach on that. Now, I don't, I don't go along that Tennessee Baptist Convention, but I don't think I would have went as far as Brother Miles West and some of them went either. I think they went too far the other way. But anyway, that, that's basically about this convention. Two years old, and it done split one association, majority left it, and now here it done split another association. You will notice uh, last, week, last time we was here, we pointed out uh, something we've already, already done here tonight. Uh, that T.W. Matthews was ordained at Salt Lake. And I want y'all to keep that in mind. Because if our brethren's arguments are true, and these brethren, these excluded members of Salt Lake had no authority to uh, uh, baptize, had no authority to minister the Lord's Supper because they were constituted out of excluded members, now that's the argument they put forth, then T.W. Matthews' ordination would have been null and void. Anyone that T.W. Matthews baptizes will be null and void, to be alien by their arguments, not mine, by their arguments. So y'all, y'all keep that in mind because this, this brother T.W. Matthews is going to come back on the scene and, and, and the one it comes back to uh, is not going to be happy, I don't guess, if he's still living for it to come out on him. But he ought to know better to start with. He's a historian. But I'm going to give you verbatim in, in another lesson or two what one of our brethren said in, in this in this. 70s concerning this very issue and he was as guilty as the ones he was accusing of being alien. Now as we pointed out before Salt Lake and Defeated Creek wasn't the only two churches that involved in this split. There were five others and the, the association recognized four of them others, the minorities, as being the, the church. One of them went through a form of an organization around Lake but the other three were just declared to be a church. And the last one was named was Testament. And that's, that's where our lessons are going to begin pretty much tonight, is on the Church of Testament. Now I'm going to affirm to you right here tonight, I'm not going to find fault in Testament Church to the point that, they, that, that they don't, they, they're not a scriptural church. Because see, my home church in Old Macedonia, indirectly, membership-wise, goes back through all this. So if I was foolish enough, to, like one of the brothers not long ago wanted uh, Bratton Town to rescind the action of ordaining Brother Huey Brooks uh, because he married twice, and yet he was baptized by Brother Huey Brooks. Now if I'm, if I'm foolish enough to take a position that, that all this here is unscriptural and, and the church that comes out of Testament is unscriptural, I, I'm unchurched unchurch myself. So I don't think I won't be that foolish and you wouldn't either, brother and sister. But anyway, in the minute of, of, of the Salem Association, 1838, there was two brethren that, 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 that attended and seated from Testament Church. Taylor G. Gilliam, and I forget the other one offhand, I can look it up, that's not important. But Brother Gilliam evidently asked the church to send someone in their community, apparently where he lived at, and preach the gospel to them. Now, Taylor G. Gilliam was in the minority uh, of Salt Lake. The majority of Salt Lake had went with, with, with the primitive movement and joined the Round Lake Association. Taylor Gilliam and, and the others were in the minority. Now, you know, Baptist doctrine teaches this, and I, I hope LaFed believes this practice. The majority rules on all issues except the reception of members, and that must be unanimous. And that's argumentative, but that's based on what we believe on that. 
other words, if, it, if it's not a cardinal doctrine involved, the minority has to submit to the majority. That's democracy. And a Baptist church is a pure democracy. If we cannot, as a minority, submit to our majority brethren's rules and sisters, then we can't have unity. And Paul said to, to the church at, at uh, I believe it's uh, Ephesus, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So the minority must, must submit itself to the majority of the Baptist church. Yeah. Now we found out just a minute ago that the minority of Salt Lake didn't do it. And the association went down and constituted them into a church. And I, it's a valid church because it's an assembly of baptized believers. It's a valid church. I, I'm not here to disparage uh, any, any of our churches. I recognize the Feedy Creek. I always have. I've never had a problem with them. Because I believe these old brethren knew what they were doing back there and knew Baptist doctrine. Now here at, at Testament, we have another split. Uh, I, I'd like to point this out. Now, these, this right here comes directly off the minutes of Testament Church. Uh, I found them at the Lafette Library on microfilm. I found them last Monday, week, would be a week ago tomorrow, and I sat up there about half a day going over Testament's record. I was sick, just as tickled to death and happy as a kid in a candy shop, to be honest with you. But I found these records up, uh, of Testament Church, and the reason I went to hunt this up I have a book at my house called The Pioneer Baptist Church Records of South Central Kentucky and Upper Cumberland of Tennessee, 1799 to 1899, by C.P. Cawthorn and N.L. Warner. And on one, page 150 of that book, it talks about uh, Salem Church in Allen County, and that was right around where I lived, to be honest with you. It was on the, was on the Big Springs uh, property, and it's right down below my house. I've I walked that Springs a lot of times, but it's on that tract of land, and it went, it went extinct. But, it, but the writer of this says the only records besides the associational minutes that have been found of this old church, Salem, to indicate anything like a membership list is contained in the records of Testament Baptist Church of what is now Macon County, Tennessee. It says in that history book, on February the 8th, 1812, the following brethren and sisters were dismissed from the Salem Baptist Church on Trammell Creek in Allen County and constituted into a church called Testament Baptist Church. And he gives the names of that. So that, that I've always, after, after reading that, because I'd already had some histories that verified that too, but when I got up there to the library and got to looking, and boy, the minutes are really bad. They're faded. Some of them are really faded. And they're kind of hard to read. Uh, but but uh, th this was a caption sheet that, that they had placed. So it says, uh, Brethren, uh, Sunday brethren met at the, at the gap of the ridge at the head of Long Creek, whose names are underwritten by the hands of elders Parker and Roark, Henry Woodcock, chosen deacon and ordained, John Meadow, William Smothers, George Terry, Samuel Warner, John Meadow, Lewis Meadow, Sally Meadow, Mary Ann Terry, Hannah Tracy, Nancy Smothers, and Sally Hudson. The brethren and sisters above were, were, uh, have obtained regular missions of letters uh, from Salem Baptist Church of Trammell Creek and were constituted by the following presbytery. Elders Parker and Roark, Brethren Young, Young Cornwall, William Henson, John Weathers, Edward Barber, and were constituted on the following principles. Now I'm not going to read them, it's just the regular articles of faith of that day and time. Uh, then on March the 9th, it says the church, item 3, the church proceeded to the choice of a pastor which was unanimous for Brother Daniel Parker to take the pastoral care provided they could get him. He took the care of the church and remained pastor until October 1814 when he preached his farewell sermon. So Grimes gives the history of Testament as coming out of uh, Malcolm Smith's labors and Miles West and, and Salt Lake Church. He was wrong. The records here prove that uh, the every... Uh, gave Brother Grimes that information put in his history book was inaccurate on it. And I learned a long time ago, you can't change established history without documented facts. Yeah. These are documented facts. Now, uh, he gives the division of the church over the mission question. 
We're talking about Testament now. It says, the, it's, uh, September 1837 stated, the letter prepared to send to the association called for and read and adopted by adding that a majority of the church declared non-fellowship with Tennessee Baptist Convention. So you see, the church itself had withdrawn from the convention prior to going to the association that year. The brethren that walked out that day was just doing what the Church of Testament in the minority, majority had authorized them basically to do. Now it was close. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there was that, that church was almost split, split 50-50, but the majority voted to pull out. And that's what you've got to go by, and the minority must submit. In the meeting of November 1837, we find this record. The voice of the church was taken to know how the church was satisfied with the delegates that she sent to the association that when the division took place in the association concerning the Baptist Convention came out with the party that opposed the convention. The vote being taken stood as follows. First, in favor of supporting these brethren, 22. Against, 18. It goes on then to take another vote as to whether or not that they, that they was for them uh, going into another association uh, or, 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 or supporting this. Anyway, there's 22 that was for going into the other association, we understand this, and 18 not. And it goes on to say here, uh, the delegates not voting. After which the church divided, the testament divided, and the convention party went out from us to make it manifest that they were not of us. And uh, that's, that's the, off of their records there. So again, here's a minority that did not submit to the majority's rule. And this, this Tennessee Baptist Convention was not a cardinal doctrine. It was a man-made thing. And, and it wasn't a, a, a point of the fellowship of the church association. You didn't have to fellowship the convention to be in the association. That, you didn't have to do that. But now, remember why that Miles West bolted the association. The association was fixing to interfere with Salt Lake's personal business. Where they excluded those from storming out of their conference, the association, without being asked to, was going to step in and interfere. And the association is stepping over the authority when they start trying to discipline a sister church or interfere in their internal business. That's why Miles West that day stormed out of the conference. It wasn't to establish another association at that time. That came later. Now, I can give you what Grimes says about uh, Siloam Church. Uh, but he's wishy-washy. Y'all can read it yourself. He, he's very wish, And the reason he's wishy-washy, and I'm saying it's wishy-washy because that's the way I would be, is because the records are really so unclear what did take place there. And he says to us that tradition says that both of them uh, worshipped at the same building uh, on separate months, and the minority called uh, William Branson for their pastor, and the majority called Miles West. And what's true about calling Miles West? He was called by the majority to be their pastor. And whether or not William Branson was called to the minority, I don't know because I ain't found no records on the minority yet. But I do know this, the association did not recognize uh, the minority of, of Testament as they did the others and declared them to be the church. But evidently the association recognized this minority as still being the church. For this reason, they continued to meet. Even though Grimes said they never met no more, <laughs> I've got Salem's minutes, I know they did. You know, they met every year until the till 1845, I think it was. And they assembled every year to 1845. So the minority was still operating, even though they didn't constitute. They weren't declared to be a church by the association. They still operated on the presumption that they were still a church called Testament. I heard an argument here a while back from some of the brethren, can there be two of one church with just one organization? Well... <laughs> If, if they can't, the brother that made that argument to me in, 18, in 19, uh, 1996 at, at, the, at Antioch, at Antioch uh, he's in trouble because his home church came out of this church that was claiming it was Testament also and they never did organize. They were both claiming to be the Testament church. That's basically what uh, uh, Graham tells us on that. Now, there has been a question about Siloam Church. Where did they get their letters from? You know, they got some letters. And it says they got it from Testament Church. 
And I'll tell you something else it says. To organize a church at the meeting house at Siloam. They already had a meeting house before they were organized. Why did they already have a meeting house if they weren't already meeting, you reckon? And how long had they been meeting before they constituted into a church? But I've got here off of the records uh, of uh, Siloam Church. Believe it or not, I've got their records. Up to 18, one or two. I got their minutes, believe it or not. And I sit down and I read there. That is very interesting. Because see, my great great grandmother and grandpa uh, belonged to that church. And then they moved down to Independence. And then they moved up in the Allen County area. And, and Granny Fanning was a member of, of Independence. And she'd been in the Constitution of Macedonia. I said, I'm not going to be foolish enough to take this position that, that they're not, not a lot of church. But there was a petition, and Brother Lambert in his book verifies this. Brother Jake Lambert in his History of Siloam verifies this. And the Minutes of Siloam verify this. And I'm taking this from a book called uh, Into His Marvelous Light by uh, a record of Siloam Baptist Church by Patricia Gilliam Haston. She, she found Siloam's Minutes on the, in the archives and she sat down and recorded them and, and wrote her book at them because her people go back to Taylor Gilliam. She'd she, she done an excellent job too. Now, Here's, here's what the minutes say on, on, on Siloam. Dear brethren, we whose names are here unto assigned wish you to grant us letters of dismission to be constituted as an independent church at Siloam Meeting House. The names are Taylor G. Gilliam. He had been, a, he had been sitting in the association as a member of Testament Church. And we know better because Testament Church was in the Round Lip Association, not the Salem. Joseph Hawkins, John Bradley, James Motley, Richard M. Wicks, Mary Gilliam, Emily Ann Gilliam, Jane Hawkins, Nancy Duffer, and if that's the same Nancy Duffer, she's my great-great-grandmother. Louisa Bradley, Sable Wood, Francis Hunt, Richard G. Hawkins, Elizabeth Tooley, Jenny, a colored woman, and Jesse, a colored man. The voice of the church was taken and the above-named members were dismissed agreeable to request signed by the other church set before the first Sunday in November 1841. Taylor G. Gilliam, church clerk. William C. Bransford, moderator. Miles West, pastor testament church at this time. So there's no way that Silon can say they got their letters from the majority. They had to get them from the minority that walked out that day and there's no record of them ever constituting. No way. Then brethren could be honest about it or they could just play play the the, the, oh, I don't believe that attitude all they want to. Now, what's this? Saturday before the Sunday, second Sunday, November 1841, the above-named brethren met at Siloam Meeting House again. Hadn't constituted in church yet, but they had them a meeting house. And agreed to request by letter the eldership of Goose Creek, Hopewell, Dixon's Creek, Payton's Creek churches to attend at Siloam Meeting House on the Saturday before the second Sunday in January next to form a presbytery to constitute them into an independent church. Even this minority didn't grab an arm. They didn't have no arm here to constitute. The minority at Testament, Testament Church had nothing to do with their constitution. Siloam didn't even invite Testament here to their organization. Did y'all notice that? They got letters from what they say were Testament, but they didn't even turn around and invite Testament to come to their organization. Why? Brother Grimes said to you, yeah. So after it's constituted, Brother Grimes said, I would like to uh, you know, just say that Siloam was just a continuation of the Old Testament church of United Baptist. Yeah, that's what Brother Grimes, if you look in his book, you'll see it. See, that's what Brother Grimes said. Now, Saturday before the second Lord's Day in January 1842, Elders William C. Bransford, remember he helped constitute Defeated Creek. I hope he was sound. He helped constitute y'all too. Here at the faith. I hope he was sound, don't y'all? And Jonathan Wiseman, wait a minute, Jonathan Wiseman, uh, he helped constitute the Round Lip Association. That, that our brethren West and others went off into hardshellism. Well, Jonathan West done the mission work here at Siloam and he helped constitute them in the church and he was pastoring Mount uh, Pleasant in the Round Lake Association at this time. The, 
Does that make any sense to y'all? If it, if it was a break of fellowship because of doctrine, does that make any sense? Jonathan Wiseman was sent to the area to do the preaching by the same association. Jonathan Wiseman, seated in the, in the establishment around Lake Primitive Baptist and helped draw off the articles of, of Confederation and Constitution and all that. Jonathan Wiseman, Plastered a church at Mount Pleasant the same, in the Radlick Association at the very same time he helped constitute these members in the Siloam Church. Where's all this church authority back there at that split our churches around this area? Why? Why? They can't do that, can they? That's not, that's not old time Baptist doctrine. Don't you know, brethren, that have I not commanded you, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths and walk therein, wherein is a good way and you'll find rest to your souls? Well, folks, this is the old paths. What took place out here is the old paths. Now, who's going to stand in them? I'm going to. I'm going to recognize Solomon as a church. I recognize the minority testing the church. Why? Because they were assembly of born-again believers, scripturally baptized, that had entered a covenant, they were assembling and carrying out the Lord's work. And that's what a Baptist church is. I'm going to recognize the majority of Testament as a church. Why? Because they also was an assembly. A born-again believer, scripturally baptized, entered a covenant to give themselves to the Lord and to each other to carry out this work. And there was no doctrinal issues amongst them. They all believed the same Doctrine. It was all over that, that man-made Tennessee Baptist Convention. And oh boy, if Lafette was living back there, then brethren, y'all would be with Miles West. And so would old Macedonia. Now, in 1845, now Siloam and their records, and they could be correct, if they, have, they may have records I don't have. I don't see how, because i got the same minutes they've got. But Siloam claims that William Bransford was their pastor from the very beginning. Uh, of the Constitution, 1842. I can't find that on the records until 1845. Now, now I'm going to read you right off of Siloam's minutes what's stated. The ch- in May of 1845, the church agreed that her June meeting be a sacramental meeting and that Brother William C. Bransford be called to the pastoral care of this church after dissolving the church at Testament on Sunday. Well, you see, Branson was still passing testament. He wasn't passing Siloam, unless it was the same thing. Unless. That's the only way William Branson could have been the pastor of Siloam, because he was still at testament, Goose Creek, and, and one or two others. June 1845. Saturday before the third Lord's Day in June, the church met at Siloam Meeting House after divine services said in conference. A door was opened for the reception of members and Mary H. Meadow came forward and related what the Lord had done for her with you to membership and was unanimously received into the fellowship of the church. The church called Elder William C. Bransford to take the pastoral care of the church. He being present, accepted the call. So he dissolved Testament Church, didn't he? If you go to Salem Manage, you'll find... There was one thing in 1845 that's listed on the minutes of the the Salem Association. And then in 1846 it says dissolved. They actually dissolved in 1845, but the association didn't know about it until the following year. So this this minority that walked out of the conference that day because they did not want to pull out of the uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention fellowshipping is where Siloam came out of. Now, if the arguments that our brethren are putting forth, that you must be constituted with an arm to be a church, that you can't take excluded members into your church, and all these arguments that, 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 that they're causing all this confusion with, and you can't override church authority, then all this right here that our forefathers did causes us to be unscriptural. Now, I realize none of us live back then. And none of us can be responsible for what our brethren did back then. Right or wrong, you know, it was done. They done it. And we can't go back and unchange that. I talked to an older brother several years ago, and he's not a living now, so I'm not going to call his name. I asked him point blank about these issues. 
And he came up with this, this philosophy. We'll get on that in, the, in, in another uh, segment. It'll be, in the, it'll be in the 1959 ordination at New Salem, which, which we'll get into that. But he said that, uh, that uh, we can't be responsible for what they did back there. We're only responsible for what we do in our lifetime. And I told him, I said, well, brother, let me point this out to you. If what they did back then, if we did that today and it causes us to be unscriptural, like y'all were arguing, then what they did back then caused them to be unscriptural, and none of us can be scriptural churches then, because you cannot bring a clean thing out of an unclean. So that proves right there that, that those things that we are bred and handled that issue back there. How they handled defeated Crete and Salt Lake? They they took the, the that memorial, they sent the brethren down there. Boy, this is a good that the association, the minority that was excluded petitioned the association for help. The association without any church authority sent these brethren, and these were leading brethren, down there into that area to constitute them into a church. They had no letters of dismission. They were not required to go back to Salt Lake and make an apology. They just went down there without any church authority, without any letters, without any arm, constituted the feet of Christians into a church. I have no problem with that. I know some of y'all might, and I can't help that. I have no problem with that because I know what a Baptist church is. Then we turn around the same era of time, 1837, we have a split in another one of the churches in the Salem Association. The minority walks out. They weren't excluded by anything I could see on the records. Little does that matter. But they weren't excluded. But they walk out and evidently just say, well, we're the true church. Well, they could have done that, I guess. I don't know about that. But they claim to be testament. And all other records uh, that I can find all recognize the church that went into Round Lake as being the majority and recognize them as being the True Testament church. But here, out of this minority, but the association sends a preacher to Taylor G. Gillian's area to preach the gospel. And he does it from uh, 1838 to, to uh, 1841. About four, three or four years there. And he preaches in that area. And then there's enough members of this minority of Testament to grant themselves letters to constitute Siloam. Now, brethren, <laughs> y'all, y'all can look at that all you want to, but how can a minority that's never constituted grant their members letters to constitute a church by what's being taught today? You could do it back then because that was Baptist doctrine back then. That's the old past back then. But what the ones that have met over, met, what was it, about 2,000? down here at Long Creek and draw their lines of fellowship and all the rest of it and set their rules that they're going to go by will not fit history and what Baptist stood for down through the years. Won't fit. But nevertheless, Siloam was organized in that manner. They won't like that. They had, they had Daniel Parker as their first pastor. They won't like that either. And if they did know it, they're trying to keep it hid because they ain't never, none of them bragged about it. Why, why wouldn't you want Daniel Parker to be your pastor anyway? Why wouldn't, want, why wouldn't you want your lineage to go back to Daniel Parker? Because he's the one who introduced the two-seed of spirit doctrine to the Baptist. I, wouldn't, I don't really want to go back to him, but you know, I, I, guess, I, I guess I do, don't I? But now Daniel Parker, when he first came to this area from Georgia in 1803, he was well-loved, well-respected, and he was not radical as he turned out in the, a few years later there. And Daniel Parker was a very fiery preacher, a very good preacher, very elegant when he wanted to be. And other times he was kind of like me, just a little uncouth, not refined. I'm not refined. I'll grant you I ain't refined as a preacher. But, but he was. But he developed that theory of two seeds of spirit. Actually, he didn't develop. It's an agnostic belief. If you go back in history, it's an agnostic belief. And the Manchurian belief, they, they advocate it. You know what it is? That, that, God created Adam and Eve. When they sinned, woman from that point on either conceives when she's born in a seed that is of God or she conceives a seed that is of the devil. If in her seed that's conceived is of God, that individual will be saved one of these days. If it's of the devil, that individual has no hope of being saved. That's what two seed in the spirit doctrine. It is a doctrine of fatalism, a hard shell to the core of 
primitive Calvinism. I guess it's even worse than hyper-Calvinism. But he did develop that, and, and most of the Baptist church around this area did not adopt it. Uh, I think up in Barron County, where, where, uh, in our area, Andrew Knuckles, I think he split the Barron River Association at one time with it. Uh, some of y'all might have studied that and, and know that. But it didn't go very far in this, this area, and it, and it died out. Uh, but th that's, that's the, the case on, on, on Siloam. And uh, that's the case on, on Defeated Creek. Now, my feelings on this, these brethren that belong in Siloam, and these brethren that belong down to Defeated Creek, or just shelled corn down, to be honest, and figure out some way to give up their foolish pride, humble themselves, and let's all get back together in unity. I'm going to tell you, folks, and I believe this all my heart, and I've preached it for 30 years or more. Our society, our government can only reflect the light that the church puts out there. Our country is, is divided. Our country is, 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 is practicing ungodly things and calling them good. And until God's church kingdom can come to back together in unity for the truth's sake and the gospel's sake, I don't look for our country to get any better. And that's my honest feelings on that. Now, I don't have long this been, uh, but I think I, pro I presented y'all some history tonight, and if, if they got it on the tape, it's perpetual. And if I've made any slips of the tongue, I'll be glad to, to apologize for them, because I'm human, I can make slips. I don't think I made any slips reading out of what the history says. But if I did, I'll be glad to apologize for that. I'm not here to cause any reflection on, on our, our sister churches. I love our sister churches. Yeah. I'm not here to cause reflection on my preaching brethren. I love my preaching brethren. Let's take, let me tell you something. I know some of them won't fellowship me, and that's okay. They don't have to. Uh, that's between them and God. But God counted all of us that's been called to preach faithful enough to put us in the ministry. Right. He counted us faithful. And as, as Lydia told Paul after she got saved, after the Lord opened her heart and she attended the thing that Paul had to say, and after she was baptized for their house, she said Paul, to Paul and, and Silas and them, If thou hast counted me faithful, abide in my house. I want the Lord to, to count me faithful. And I want my brethren and sisters to count me faithful. It, it doesn't matter. I, I know that, that uh, as, as, as uh, one sister told me, how was she said that to uh, a rude and arrogant. <laughs> Can you believe anybody called me rude and arrogant? Uh, she did. She, I made her mad at me. I mean, I, I shouldn't have been picking on her. She kind of got a little mad at me and called me rude and arrogant. Now, I might be obtuse, but I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not arrogant. You know, I might be blunt, but, but, but I'm not arrogant. Uh, but anyway, I've got another sister. She's here tonight and thinks I'm arrogant at times. And I'll tell you what, I'll take her word on it because I, <laughs> I know she knows what he means. <laughs> But anyway, has anyone got any questions on what I've tried to teach tonight? The majority that you talked about of Testament are the group that went eight miles out of Acresville Road. Later. 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 And, and we really don't know why that happened. Their that, pastor, Dwight Dyer, told me he didn't know. According to their manners, they worshipped in about three or four places before they went out there. I didn't know that. According to their manners. Now I've got the Bennett's here right all you know, I read you the captain sheet that, that was made simple for me to read, but I've actually got their minutes right here. Copies. I, I copied them. Fifty cents copy. I thought they really liked their paper up at the library. But anyway, I got the co actual copies for my own benefit. Okay, somebody said, Oh, you you misrepresented what it is, read for yourself. But yes, it uh, the majority did. Now I'm not gonna say in a four or five year period that the majority that, that, that was there that day remained a majority. But when the division came, they were the majority. I think, uh, I think according to Salem's record, there's about 17 that got saved that year in that minority and added to the church. Of course, if they didn't have no authority as a church to baptize them, all 17 them would be alien, wouldn't they? Uh-oh. I wonder how many went in the side long. But you, you, see, you see the points on this, don't you? Correcting irregularities. How do we do it? All the things we can do, brethren, is come together and forgive one another. Amen. Forgive one another. Say, so, you know, there ain't none of us. You know, back when I joined Old Macedonia in 1969, 
Our, our pastor said, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And that's so true. Amen. Why do some of our church today think that they're perfect? And they're above the rest of them? I don't understand that. But anyway, any other questions? I, I love to answer questions. See, I, I like a Bible study. I like, I like to be able to be, for y'all to be aggressive. Ask, ask me questions. Let me ask you. If, if you've got any. If not, uh, you know, either I did a really good job teaching y'all tonight or, 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 or let you confuse one or the other. Were most of our people Calvinists back during this time period? I would say they were, Brother Slaughter. Now, let, do, do y'all know what the difference between a Baptist Calvinist and a Baptist Armenian is, according to history? Explain it. A Calvinist back then, basically, they did believe that the Lord uh, only died for a few. The Armenian believed that he died for all men. An Armenian Baptist in history is not like the Armenian Campbellites that believe that you can fall from grace and lose your salvation. But the Armenian Baptists just simply believe that Jesus tasted death for every man and that it was open to all. So, that, so when you read that in history about Calvinists, and, and, and basically the Calvinists is one that believed in the security of the saints also. That was a Calvinistic point. But you'll find that in Taylor's history of, of Baptists. Uh, Tennessee Baptist. You'll find that definition for, for what Armenian and, and Calvinist Baptist was in that day and time. Uh, anything else? Brother Rodney, uh, there are those among us that I grew up during that time. They taught that you had to have an arm in order to be a church. If there was no arm extended, why it could not be a scriptural, scriptural church. You have proven very well tonight that, yes, they can. The point is, you won't read the Bible and find anything about an arm. No. You won't find no pattern in there. No. But as you say, we go by the doctrines that have been taught. Right. And uh, it's the same problem with our letters today. Uh, folks, that this closed off during my lifetime in granting and receiving letters. It's a good practice. The Bible does speak about letters of recommendation, but I've never read yet where a church wrote another church and said, would you grant us a letter? Amen. You won't find it. So if you'd like to elaborate on any of that, <laughs> what well, what am I supposed to elaborate on there? <laughs> I thought you pretty well cleared that up. I, I can read you what if, if, if I can find it real quick. I can read you what uh, I know your author said about that years ago. Can Baptist churches receive members from other Baptist churches by statement by Elder Rodney Carter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said I noted if you've been at the Asylum Association in, in 1996, you know what I'm talking about. That was barbecued for this book. Uh, in 1726, you'll find this in, well, I could read it to you. I think I've even got that book here. Menace of the Philadelphia Association. The first Baptist association organized in America. We all go back to it if you're Baptist. The very first session in 1707 when they organized, here's what they agreed on. It was agreed then, it was then agreed that a person that is a stranger, that has neither letter of recommendation, nor is known to be a person gifted, and of good conversation shall not be admitted to, to preach or be entertained as a member in any of the baptized congregations in communion with each other. In other words, you had to have a letter or you had to be recommended. They didn't make it necessary to have to have the letter if you was known by some of the people. That's the, that was the Baptist practice. Oh, that's the old past, 1707. That the brethren nowadays are denying. But that is the old past. Also, let's see here. Brown's 
Brown's Baptist Church Manual, and y'all probably, some of y'all may not know him, but he helped write the 18 Articles of Faith. Uh, is that the normal, is that y'all's private uh, covenant there, or is that the one normal in all the churches? In, in, anyway, the normal, no, normal covenant, Brother Brown helped write that also. In his manual, it says, those who have been members of Baptist churches and in consequence of any peculiar circumstance have no regular letters of dismission may be received by giving satisfactory evidence of a change of heart, Christian conduct, and scriptural faith. That means you can take them by statement, folks. If you know them, you can take them by statement. Baptist Church Manual by J.M. Pendleton, page 19, states, it sometimes happens that persons who have been baptized where there is no church and persons who owing to the extinction of the church to which they belonged or of other circumstances find themselves without letters of dismission wish to join, enjoy the privilege of church membership. In such case, it is only necessary for the church applied to be satisfied of the worthiness of their applicants and they are received. So, uh, in other words, it's up to Lafette who y'all want to bind to y'all's body as long as you're satisfied they're saved and scripturally baptized. And if they're not scripturally baptized, you ought to baptize them. If there's any doubt, dip. But as long as they're saved, that's all you have to do. Now, Brother Benny M. Bogart, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Brother, Brother Benny M. Bogart. He is the one that embraced the gospel mission plan that Elder Calvin Gregory and Elder C. B. Massey introduced it to our area under that gospel mission plan that split our churches that day and night. Ben and Bogart was the leader of this movement. Well respected and well loved by Calvin Gregory and by Elder C. B. Massey, by the Sloan and others. Now in his Baptist Way book, page 74, says, Another church is not bound to receive a member because he comes with a letter. A letter is only a recommendation and there's no sense a transfer. You can't transfer membership by letter, folks. When a person is well known to a church of which he wishes to become a member, there is no necessity for a church letter. The church knowing him well, it does not need a recommendation of him. But as a matter of courtesy toward the church of which a person is a member, it would be altogether right for him to ask for a letter before uniting with another church. In other words, you can receive them. It's not a transfer, but as a, you're violating a courtesy when you don't do it. Yeah. Now, I've got this book right now. But it's on. It's on along to one of my sisters. I uh, used to belong on myself a fork, and she's she's had this this book here in her possession now for about 20 years. And, and she called that day. She's going to get it back to me. She just now remembered uh, <laughs> that that I own this book. But I was glad I recorded this out of this book before I loaned it off. It's called Cathcart in, in, in the Baptist Encyclopedia's Doctrines, Ordinance, and General History. You'll find this on page 686. Letters of dismission are granted to members to unite with other churches of the same faith and gospel order. A letter of dismission is only a recommendation to the brother in whose favor it is granted. No church is obliged to receive it or him. Just recommendation. Now listen to this part. Every Baptist has a right to obtain a letter to unite with a regular Baptist church unless there is a charge against him. And this privilege, it is believed, would be sustained by the civil courts. And for the same reason, if a member is excluded from a church contrary to its bylaws, or if it has none against the usage of the denomination, the courts would order his restoration. See, the government, they don't interfere with, with us Baptists on, on how we set our, our rules to, 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 to government. But now, if we don't buy, buy by our rules that we set to govern ourselves, they will step in and see that everybody's done equally. That, that just goes back. Now, you'll find that in Cathcart's history. Now, I ain't got, I, I don't have Brother, Brother, Gri, Brother Pendleton's manual on the other, uh, page 115, 116, I think, Think it is, but he deals with the fact that somebody been wrongfully excluded. He said, "What should be done? Well, the church that wrongfully excluded first should rescind that action. But suppose they don't. Well, then after it's been made known to the society in general that that brother's or that, that brother was uh, excluded wrongfully, uh, another church may receive him into their body. That's Baptist doctrine. That's right. Now, the way we normally handle that, brethren and sisters, is if 
if I should do that. If Brother Rogers back there got excluded from here for something other than he went on Macedonia and said, they wrongfully excluded me over there and I want y'all to take me. Well, what should old Macedonia do? Should we take his word that, that he's wrongfully excluded? I don't think Brother Rogers would lie to us. I really don't. I, I've got a lot of confidence in Brother Rogers. Love him. Helped him in meetings and all that. Been in his home. I love him. But now, I wouldn't take just his word on that. No. Macedonia would appoint a committee to come back to Lafette with Brother Roger. This is the Baptist procedures. And here, why did y'all excluded him? Now, if you didn't have sufficient grounds to exclude him and would not correct it, then Macedonia would receive him a statement. And if y'all didn't like it, we wouldn't really care. Because it's none of your business, then. I'm the God I'm be with you on that. We would not really care if you didn't like it. We would follow the Baptist procedures, and if y'all chose not to, that's y'all's business. But, but if you like us follow that procedure, we, you know, we wouldn't care. The same way if Brother Roger came to Macedonia and joined on the credible letter, you know what Macedonia would do? We would write Lafette for a letter of recommendation, even though it's not required. We could take him off because we know him well. But as a courtesy, we would write Lafette for a letter. Now, if Lafette showed us the courtesy that some of our other sister churches have showed us and just wrote a letter back, we can't get, get y'all a letter of dismission because we don't fellowship you, y'all on kind of doctrinal issue, or, or fellowship issues. They say doctor fellowship issues. Well, you know what we do then? See, we've made a motion to receive and grant them all rights and privileges when, on, when the letter's received. Well, we would just consider the letter they sent us, verify that they was a member, and we was in there as a good letter, and go ahead and run lots of privilege and go on with Because we'd already received them unanimous. These churches that you have to receive somebody unanimous twice is not practicing Baptist doctrine. Yeah. Amen. Period. And then yet they claim they're in the old path. Yeah, I would like to discuss this with some of them. And I'm not the one to discuss it with. I wouldn't mind doing that at all. Anywhere they want to do it. I'd like to do that. But that's what Baptists believe about... Is that, does that answer your question, Brother Ricky? Yes. If it don't, I will try to be, uh, you go a little bit further. Okay. You can go further if you wish. Hmm? You can go further if you wish. Well, no, no, if you're satisfied, I'm satisfied with that. With any, any, any other questions? That's what we're here for, is to try to get a general idea of what we need to do to stay in unity. I'm not here to divide our church. They're already divided. I can't divide them. They're already divided. I can't make them mad at me. They're already mad at me. But I'm going to tell you what I will try to do. To the best of my knowledge, I will stand for old-time Baptist doctrine. Amen. And I will defend what I preach, practice, and stand for. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. And if you don't think, I will. Oh, I might be like Peter now. Don't get me wrong. I've got some of his quality. And I might be like Elijah and run and find me a juniper tree. But I believe right now I would try to defend what I, what I believe in. Someone else. I do appreciate very sincerely, depth in my heart, each one of you that's taken time out of your lives to come this way. I know some that are visitors and I appreciate that. And I know some that are members. And I'm so glad that you love the cause and that I to come here and to listen to this. Yeah. Don't let this go through one ear and out the other. Meditate on it. Ponder on it. Dwell on it. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, the, and his law that he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Meditate on the truths. The Bible will verify the truth. Amen. If y'all are satisfied, thank you for letting me come. But BG. Thank you, Brother Carter. I think uh, I've